Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer SC. I'm You're not going to do a bit? Why would I do anything? Try to do a bit. Huh. Do what? What bit? What bit? That's no, fine. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Hanging in there, man. How are you? I'm actually extremely well. Well, whoop de do. <laughs> just because I'm just I'm good just because. Didn't I tell you that time when I used to have an office job back in the day and I went into I went into um work once and I had a terrible weekend, like really dull, really awful. Oh, no. And I walked into work and the women working there, the women that sort of do the sort of the way it works in those law firms is you have, you have assistants who work with all the lawyers, not just one person dedicated to you. So people that work with all the lawyers. Um, and I walked in, there were three of them sitting there and they were like, oh, how was your weekend? And I slipped and I was like, intriguing. <laughs> and their faces just went, they were like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and it was terrible. Swear, man. But it created such jokes and I just never explained it. And it created such, they were like, oh my goodness. And they were like, oh, we're all like mums, like loads of kids. So like, we just live through you. And I was just like, oh, such a. <laughs> I didn't know you were such a trolling pre-Twitter. Listen, I'm the original troll. And pre, pre-our friendship. <laughs> oh, actually, on this note, before we get going, first of all, I want to say I hope everyone's doing okay. Yep, hope yep. everyone's staying safe and well and keeping as mentally positive as possible. Yep, yep. Um, We've had some really lovely emails recently. Thanks so much for ev- to everyone who sent them in. We will get back to them. We try to get back to as many emails as possible. We'll go through those very soon. Yep, yep. But yeah, my d- I told you about my dad. <laughs> a dad update. A, com- a communicado. So basically, dad was just like, you have given Musa some stick recently. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? Is it- me? Me? Exactly. Are you listening to the podcast, dad? <laughs> It's no different to any stick I get from anyone else, frankly. Yeah, the, the beauty is, you know, what these people don't know, like my dad and people like that, is that I chop all your bullshit out of the edit. But That's the true. percentage of your nonsense that makes it actually into the final cut is staggeringly low. It's true. <laughs> what I'll say is anyone that knows how chaotic I can get, anyone that's watched Instagram live knows the chaos. And to be honest, I'm just apologising to you in advance because once we start doing live events... <laughs> yeah, imagine that nonsense in 4D. You're going to see a drop-off. Oh, a drop-off in no. listeners. <laughs> It'd be like, Stadio have cancelled their tour halfway and Ryan's flown home. I've been cancelled. <laughs> <Is that enough? laughs> Ryan's had enough. <laughs> we go with like Gallagher Brothers on it and be like, he's a fucking knobhead. He's not he's performing tonight. <laughs> uh, but then dad followed it up with something really lovely he was just like oh it's it's really great though you can tell that you're just joking like you know your brothers your brothers and i was just like oh dad <laughs> but that's really sweet he also then forgot which uh nasl side that he nearly signed for in the late 70s <laughs> with one with the amazing kit yeah i was just like oh yeah the california surf and he was just like no it was the tampa bay <laughs> and i was like no it wasn't dad the California surf kit is supernatural. Yeah, that's right. Wow. I know. But um, yeah. Hi, Dad. He's been really loving the Righty's House podcast as well. So, oh, Who doesn't, though? It's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we can't say that. Can we not? No. Why not? Can't, doesn't it help grow the podcast? Can't get high on your own supply, Moose. Uh, po- well, I love it when I'm not on it, but you can't say that. But I, I listen to it even when I'm not on it, and I love it when I'm not on it. I love the ones where I'm not talking, yeah. They're there we great. go. There we go. We can do that. We can say that. How diplomatic. There I go. Anyway, uh, admin, the latest episode of Writer's House is up. Yep, yep. It's amazing. I stood in for Jeanette last minute because poor Jeanette had some roadworks starting outside her house just before the recording. Oh no. Uh, but she'll be on next week with you. So that'll be good. Looking forward. Um, shouts to Jeanette Quache. And yeah, props to Carl Anker doing the Rashford book. Right, you mentioned it at the beginning of Writer's House. And also he... Um, read out a letter from a Barnsley fan who racially abused him 25 years ago. So I would recommend going and listening to that. It was not wanting to go too over the top, but it was, I felt very, um, very honoured to be sat in on that conversation with him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Can imagine. 
but yeah, really fun episode other than that. And also the ringer.com forward slash soccer. I will have a piece going up this week. <laughs> it was going to be about something else, but that can wait because believe me, there will be multiple opportunities to drop that piece at some point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm doing a piece on Germany. We're on all platforms again. We are. So yeah. if the podcast platform that you listen to us on allows you to rate and or review, please give us a rate and a review, preferably five stars. Oh, it's been a while since I've dusted that line off. Yeah, because it really helps grow the podcast. <laughs> the one time when Luther's music goes northern. Really helped us. You can't see it, but he's like swinging his arms around as well. Like, really helped us grow the fucking podcast, man. Wearing yeah. a parka. Doing this. Like, <laughs> Wearing a parka. Fucking taking a tambourine. Let's just grow the podcast, mate. <laughs> Any other admin nonsense before we get on to the show? Anything you need to plug? What agendas are you pushing this week? <laughs> I'm always pushing an agenda. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good so far. You're running out of things to do, man, because Mason Mount's playing as an eight now. So, to get a new line. Well, and Germany, Germany playing three eights against Spain. <laughs> yeah, that worked out really. They conceded eight. We'll get into that. I'm like, yeah, true, true. Goodness me. Uh, yeah. So today we thought that because of the avalanche of Nations League stuff, the Germany thing was probably the biggest story. So we're going to talk about Germany. And yep. then we thought we'd get into a mailbag because we did a little bit of England and Scotland on Wright's house. And most of the Nations League stuff was kind of wrapped up beforehand. Shouts to Hungary, though, who, who progressed to Nations League A. Obviously, Scotland qualifying, which we talked about in Wright's house. England with back-to-back wins against Iceland, put into bed Euro 2016 once and for all. Yeah, they look good against Iceland as well. They look really good. Yeah, they did, actually. But yeah, let's get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Lucasfilm and Disney Plus, presenting an all-new Star Wars series, The Acolyte. Stream the two-episode premiere June 4th and witness an investigation into a shocking crime spree where secrets will emerge and no one is safe from the truth. The Acolyte, two-episode premiere, streaming June 4th only on Disney Plus. Right, man. Yogi Love said it was a dark, dark day. We played out on Dark Day last week. We should have saved it for this week. That's okay. It'll be fine. Spain 6, Germany 0. Germany's biggest defeat since 1931, where Austria beat them by the same scoreline. Spain 6, Germany 0. Yeah. This has been coming for a while. And it's something that I go into in the, in the ringer piece, but we can talk about it. I mean, do you want to talk about the game itself first? I think we need to talk about the game itself. I mean, the first thing I would say is that this is not an inform or full Spain squad. No, at the same time, it's a coach in Luis Enrique who always demands intensity and whose Spain teams have been putting together strong performances. The way they dispatched Ukraine, I think 4-0, Ansu Fati was spectacular there. They are just a team that, they're a squad, more important, they're a squad where everyone knows what they're doing and everyone knows that their place can be lost in the blink of an eye. He's not afraid to swap in and out elite players. Mm-hmm. So there's a hunger there. And actually, ironically, Germany got undone by the same thing. They got Brazil undone in the semi-final against them in 2014, which is an experienced, intense coach, a bunch of players, a mix of old and new, who were just brutal and ruthless and never stopped. And it's funny because with some, with some thrashings, it's weird. You know how some th- there's two types of thrashing in football. There is the thrashing where the team that gets thrashed actually has a really good chance to take the lead early on, right? And it's actually mm-hmm. really good for the first 15 minutes. And there's the other kind of thrashing where you just basically get hammered straight out of the gate. 
and this was the second kind. This was dominance from Spain from start to finish and they didn't let up. It was funny, even at 5-0, the complex passing structures they were putting together, they were like, I mean, the final goal essentially was walked into the net. Was it Ferran Torres' hat-trick goal, the one where he hit it with the instep? Uh, for the 5-0? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the 5-0. That goal was... Unreal. And actually that goal in microcosm exposed the gulf. So you look at this Germany team. My God, I said before, 3-8, Tony Kroos, Gundogan and Goretzka. Goretzka plays in a double pivot for Bayern, right? Gundogan doesn't play at the back of midfield that often for City. If he does, it's because it's like a possession heavy. Well, sometimes he'll play there again with Rodri, won't he? So. Right, right. And then Kroos, Casemiro or something like that to bolster the defensive side, Valverde to give it energy. So you've got those three eights, none of whom are in a position that is familiar or comfortable. Mm. So what happens is they all play their own game, which in isolation isn't that bad. Like Kroos, you know, as everyone's saying, completed all his passes. Well, yeah, but there was no pressure on the ball from Germany mm. in the midfield. And that sets the tone for high up the field. So there's one moment in the game, it's about 15, 20 minutes in, when Leroy Sané gets a through ball, he doesn't accelerate into space. He doesn't explode into space. Yeah. He gets possession and holds it up and plays it inside. And I just thought to myself, whoa, the lack of intensity in this team. Like that is a wide forward who has not been told to attack space at every opportunity. That's the difference between a Hansi Flick coach team and a Yogi Love coach team. And then the other thing, which is abominable as well, for that goal that you mentioned, the amazing cipher finished by Ferran Torres and a great move. The last player to get challenging is Gundogan. Mm. The entire Germany back four is closer to the halfway line. And to watch a centre-back lumbering back to challenge 20 yards away, who looks out of breath, who looks knackered, I was just like, hey, this is, um, this is in profound disarray. Yeah. And to be honest, I think a lot of it's self-inflicted. Yes, of course. Of course it is. It's Germany. Because I actually wrote in the piece, and I don't want to kind of give it away, but I might as well just say it anyway. But I actually think this whole process begins with the 7-1 at the Maracanã. Because although Germany won the World Cup and they beat Argentina in the final afterwards, the 7-1 was the trophy. I think actually the 7-1 against Brazil was more impactful on the DFB and, German, and the German national side than actually winning the World Cup, if I'm being honest. Mm. Brazil were the favourites for that tournament going into it. Yes. And Germany went in there and did that in their own backyard. The psychological effect that that created in a negative sense for Brazilian football, but in a positive sense for German football, I think was actually more damaging than if they'd won 3-1. Because... It's important to remember that this was a process that began with Germany's own like previous embarrassment in the early 2000s mm. and a process that, that led to the restructuring of pretty much the whole German football co like pyramid in a way in terms yeah. of the way that training and uh, coaching was implemented and like uh, philosophy and process and stuff like this. That was the culmination of all of that work and a process. Love had been there eight years at that point. What happened after that was that complacency and... And I don't like using the term arrogance because it sounds like an attack and I don't really like attacking I think complacency. I think complacency, I think, is the thing. Prime example, offering Love a contract extension in the May when the World Cup started in June. Yeah. That sent a message that it didn't really matter what happened. Love was no longer being judged off results. Yeah. Because why, why do it then? Why not wait till afterwards if you want to extend his contract? I think it's quite similar to the Barcelona situation in a way. I think that it starts way back, but it accelerates at that point. There are like two points. So you remember, like we said that with the Barcelona situation, it started at the turn of the at the turn of the decade. Yeah, it accelerated in 2015. Genuinely, think this begins before Germany, or like one game before Germany even win the World Cup, and it accelerates in 2018. No, I agree. And it's accelerated more so since then. And this is a real problem for Germany because I think the reason that love decided to cut Muller, Boateng and Hummels was because he wanted, I, th I think there's, a, there's an ego thing there. I think he wanted to rebuild a new generation Germany team and he backed his own ability to be able to do so. But in reality, they weren't ready for a rebuild. They, he wasn't ready to blow it up. It's like in NBA terms, it'd just be like blowing everything up two, three years ahead of schedule. 
Yeah. Leading up to the World Cup win, the whole footballing world was was envious of Germany. The process, the, the decision to kind of start rebuilding back in the 2000s, this is what it led to. What an amazingly kind of meticulously planned, intelligent, strategic journey that they've been on that's building kind of a new de- in a world And they build that new technical center as well, aren't they? Yeah. They're the future, they're the future. Yeah. But now, no one is envious of that setup or that process anymore because as much as I would never wish anyone out of a job, Love should have gone after that World Cup. And if he didn't want to go after the World Cup, which I can understand managers like Deschamps is going through at the moment, like Deschamps, uh, I don't mean he's got a moustache, I just mean he's going through the same process. <laughs> Sorry, I've been rambling for ages here, but he's been... No, but um, it's all good. It's all good stuff, dude. It's all good stuff. He won the World Cup and then he, he stayed on. But also I think that that France generation is very much similar to what Spain had yep. in the late 2000s. Like yep, you could yep. see them winning. Like they really should have won the Euros in 2016. Really, he could have been sat here now off a Euros victory and then a, and backed it up with a World Cup. Germany lost so many key players after that World Cup. Mertesacker retired, Philipp Lahm retired. Schweinsteiger should have retired at the time, but I think he just wanted to be Germany captain for a bit. Podolski stayed on a couple of years and then went. Yeah. We've said it before. You win a yep. World Cup, just go. Because your stock will never, never be higher than that. Well, the difficulty of transition is also something to look at, isn't it? Because Especially at international level when you yeah. don't have the day-to-day kind of runnings. And, and I mean, one thing I would caveat that with is that Germany do have a number of injuries here as well, like key injuries. If you think like Joshua Kimmich is such an integral piece of this new Germany now. Yeah. Like he is for Bayern. And that's a big loss in there because you probably play Kimmich instead of Gundogan. And I think Kimmich actually anchors that midfield a lot better. Yeah, 6-0, doesn't, 6-0 does not happen remotely. 6-0 does not happen with, with Kimmich there. Well, I think, it, I think it's twofold. I think it's an ability thing, but I think it's also a leadership thing. There was a headline on, on Build Sport, which was like basically, who's the boss here? It translated to. Neuer is a senior player. Tony Kroos is a senior player. Gundogan is a senior player. They're the three most senior players probably in that squad. Kroos isn't really a, a massively inspirational leader figure. And I also think that a number of those players were massively privy to what went on around the Meza Ozil stuff and probably haven't forgotten that because Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry have publicly supported uh, Well, Sané, and Sané, got, Sané got thrown under the bus in 2018. Yeah. Sané was being used on billboards before the World Cup. He was yeah, being used. And then, but and then they, got cut. Yeah, the sponsors were so confident that he was going to be picked, that he was the face of their World Cup campaign. You could see him on the way to the train station, one of the main stations here in Berlin. And he gets cut. And then Kroos comes out and says, ah, oh, his body language. Mm-hmm. That is extraordinary. That stuff has to fester. It has to linger. Yeah. I think a lot of those guys as well will probably be thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like, how come these guys get shipped out, but these guys are the ones that are okay to stay? And I'm not saying that what I mean by that is that those three should never have been told that their time was done at Germany. From a responsibility and a leadership standpoint, Muller, Hummels and Boateng in that squad adds them so much. It adds so much to them. Do you know what's ironic? Can I say this? This is like their 66 World Cup, Germany. You have the most inspirational. Thomas Muller is arguably the best leader of an attack at international level, in terms of someone that can draw together disparate pieces. The most, he's arguably the best at that, and he's one of the most intense leaders and a leader that has the nose for attacking opportunity like none else. This used to be England. England used to be the country that didn't know how to make best use of its pieces. You know what I mean? England was like, oh, we misuse Glenn Hoddle, Michael Carrick, it's standard. And now Germany doing that. That's not a thing that Germany is reputed for doing. It's, it's actually so bizarre. To have Ozil missing, could be an accident. To have two out is carelessness. You know, this is the thing, to not integrate two of those players. And Boateng, you know, these, they won a treble. <laughs> Bayern, Bayern just came up for treble. Muller's been quoted saying he has no interest in coming back into the international side. And you, I don't blame him, to be honest. Because no one, he doesn't need that smoke anymore. No, he's achieved it. He's done what he has to do. There was another thing in, I think it was in um, the Süddeutsche Zeitung, and they said that... Um, the DFB have more faith in the methods as opposed to Love as a coach now. That's an extraordinary thing to come out with. Love has the talent. A team mm. with, this, with these pieces. You know, there were a lot of new players in last night. This is why I feel for like, you're like Robin Koch at Leeds, you know, Robin Koch at Leeds, because he's got to wear that now. He's got a 6-0. Yeah, like Philip Max as well. It's yeah, like... They've done so well to get into that team. 
Mm. And there's a kind of um, duty of care is a bit of a dramatic phrase, but I'll use it as a duty of care issue. Like it comes with the complacency thing. Yeah, you're easing, and I, I do. I do call it complacency, and I think there's a stubbornness. I think the way that we, we've talked about the way Erzabal's truth is, so we won't get that too much more. But just the messaging coming out of the DFB, mm. the messaging coming out of the DFB is. It's that, you know, it's like that, that meme of the dog sitting in the, um, in the house going, everything is fine. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's the meme with Wario, Wario going, I've won, but at what cost? And yeah. Germany won that World Cup 2014. But I think you're right, at what cost? Yeah. It's drawing the wrong conclusions. And I, it's that phrase again. When you have a statement victory, you've got to be very careful what conclusions you draw from the statement. Because Germany, yes, beating Brazil, 7-1 was a statement victory, but the conditions were extenuating, circumstances mm-hmm. extenuating. We know what the circumstances were, abnormal pressure, Neymar broke his back, no Thiago Silva, no Danny Alves. So three leaders missing, three generational leaders are missing from that team, get blown away. Very much like this Germany side. However, not through injury, through managerial decision-making. Yes, through complacency. And we could even use the A word, we could, use the, we could say it was stubbornness. We could say it was arrogance. It could be all of that. Whatever those words are, whatever words, here's the thing, Ryan, whatever the words we use to describe this Germany performance should be nowhere as near as harsh as the words that they are using privately. Yeah, and the self-reflection. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the self-reflection should be the most brutal of all. There's nothing that we can say that should be more harsh than what they're saying to themselves. I mean, I want to balance up a little bit by saying that before this game, Germany have only lost once in the last two years. However, this is the run of form they've been on. So since they lost to France in the Nations League October 2018, they beat Russia 3-0, they drew 2-0 with the Netherlands, they drew 1-0 with Serbia, they then beat the Netherlands 3-2 March last year, which was around the time when the Hummels, Boateng, Muller stuff started happening. But since then, they've beaten Belarus, Estonia, Northern Ireland, all of those teams twice. They played the Netherlands once and lost. And then they drew to all in Argenti- against Argentina in a friendly. They beat in the Ukraine. They beat in the Czech Republic. They drew with Spain. They drew with Switzerland twice. And they drew with Turkey. And I've been watching some of those games. And um... they've been quite pedestrian. They've been quite hard to watch a lot of the time, this Germany side. And this, and this was the reason why this new generation, this new beginning was supposed to be happening. Because it was supposed to be this explosive, young, exciting Germany side. Obviously, there's people like Kai Havertz missing still. There are players missing. There are good players missing from this Germany side, but still a well-organized, well-thought-out Germany side. In the Nations League, this is a competitive fixture, not a friendly. If it was a friendly, none of us would be talking about this because friendlies are whatever. But in a competitive fixture against a supposed rival, it's completely unacceptable. And I hate doing episodes like this because I feel like I'm going down that kind of football pundit ranty route. But I think that it's the same. It's the, It's coming from the same place as, as the Barcelona chat, where it's just like this should never have happened. They had it mm. so good, yeah, because of complacency and stubbornness and and um, poor poor planning actually from the from the DFB and from Love and from the squad as a whole. They've created a mess that didn't. It was completely completely avoidable, especially against an understrength Spain squad. Yeah, but how often do empires crumble from within? This is the thing. So often, like unforced errors that end. Yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson, twenty thirteen, meshing up the succession. Like these things, just Ma- transition is so difficult to manage. It's why so few teams, clubs sustain it. I mean, look at Barca mm-hmm. getting done seven nil in the semi final against uh, Bayern. We that's the thing that doesn't get talked about because it's a bit of a grim one. But over two legs. Yeah, over two legs. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, 
all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. One thing I want to talk about as well, if we're adding balance, I want to talk about Spain, obviously, because yeah. first of all, wow. You're talking about Luis Enrique's get-up? No, actually, I'll get onto that. Can I say this? The defensive midfield axis of Fabian Ruiz and Rodri blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. Fabian Ruiz came in for Canales, and it's funny because of an injury. It's funny how freak results happen. Sergio Canales coming off for Ruiz. Really early as well. Huh? Really early. And Ruiz was out of this world. And that mm. just shut down. Rodri was as good as I've seen him. And this is the thing. I think Rodri plays as a single pivot for City a lot and gets overrun a lot of the time because it's such a high-paced midfield. But with Ruiz there as the access, and that is as good a midfield as you're going to see anywhere. And they just ran it. The passing into space, the movement. There's one point towards the end where Ruiz gets the ball, three or four Germany players around him and just floats mm. between them. and. So that was great. And then further ahead, of course, Ferran Torres. Ferrando. Ferrando Torres. We're going to call him from now on. But that, dude, that first goal. Yeah. Have you seen a sweeter strike? A few people saying it was an angry goal. I disagree. It was too sweet. You know, it reminds me of Messi's goal um, in the first hat trick, in the, the first goal in the hat trick against Real in the three all draw. Mm and the ball falls to him and he picks his spot. And there's something really special about a striker who sees a gap in the net when everyone's scrambling around the box because that was like people scrambling around and Torres, like Messi before him, was like ordered to chaos and just picked out that spot and just clattered it. It's about the size of like, the, the space he hits into is about the size of one of those like mm. portrait, portraits in the Tate Britain. It was like, ah, oh, I'm going to aim for the middle of the portrait. And it's so clean. It's so clean. Oh, it's beautiful. You know what it is? It's the goal of someone who you're like, that person's going to score more than one in this game. Like that was a, it was a palate palate cleanser. Because it was the second one. So it's the bread, the the bread log, the deadlock had already been broken. In hindsight, watching it back, that had big, we're going to score six. I'm going to start using the word, I'm going to start using the, I'm going to start using the word breadlock for nil-nil draws. Because, oh my God, this game's really stale. Yeah, it's a breadlock. It's a breadlock. Yeah, it's (laughs) (laughs) nil-nil. No, but you're right. This, this, you're right. That goal, the, the emphatic nature of the strike to me, there's more yeah, of this. Yeah, this, is, this isn't going to be, this isn't going to be my only one. It was like when Henry got, you know, when Henry scored twice against um, twice. Sparta Prague. Twice. Was it Prague when he scored, when he broke, when he broke the record, the goal scoring record? Outside of the foot. Yeah, the first one I was like, he's going to score again. Ferran Torres, amazing. I'm going to call him Ferrando Torres. I'm going to start. Doing, let him I'm live. Just, no, I'm not. His own Torres. It's too late. It's too late. It's done. Um, and Murata, look, I've always loved Murata. He had a big old Vamos after that goal. He did. It was weird though, because he, it's almost like he didn't know how to celebrate because he was like, yeah. they've allowed, they actually allowed it. And as Andy mm. Brassel tweeted, because he had an offside goal later, he was like, yeah. is it even a game of international football? No, it's not. <laughs> Without a goal, game of any offside. football. Yeah. Murata, his ability to lead the line, we saw it at the Euros um, when Iniesta was still there, when they beat, I think they, they beat, Spain beat Turkey 3-0. And he was spectacular in that game. Mm. And again, spectacular day. Like he gives you so much more, Murat, than goal scoring. Leads the line, stretches it. Technically brilliant. Is so good in the build-up, and they are thrilling to watch. And the really cool thing for Spain is looking at that. <laughs> Luis Enrique with a quiet cackle, probably thinking there are Spain players who are missing tonight for good reason. Who are now thinking, how do I get back into that team mm. like quickly? Dani Olmo was great. Like someone that drifted across when you know, it was on both flanks was superb they could afford to have Ramos go off at half time and they still ran things but again like Ferran Torres was just the movement the touch I think David Cartledge said this he was like this player's on the verge of an explosion this is an extraordinary sign they got for 25 million City they now have yeah that's the- yeah they've now got yeah. Rodri and Ferran Torres two of the cornerstones of the Spain team for the next 10 years mm. 
standard. Spain were beautiful to watch. Like I'd encourage anyone to get on that who hasn't seen the game already. I think Dazun's got the full highlights on it, the, the full game on it. I was watching it and it was just spectacular. Quick shout for Portugal's last minute winner against Croatia, Ruben Diaz in the 91st minute. And Joao Felix setting the table again in that game. Joao Felix getting more and more angry. Do you want to say about Joao Felix as well? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like it wouldn't be a game of football without an Alvaro Morata offside goal. Wouldn't be a Stadio episode without some Joao (laughs) Felix chat. Yeah, so here's the thing, like, we're in an era where the number 10 is supposedly dead because the space in which the number 10 naturally grazes has been taken up by, you know, the two DMs. Joao Felix is like, yeah, I know that people don't like playing the 10 because there's not much room, but I like that. And he goes in. It's like yeah. watching Indiana Jones try to rob a cave with the boulders coming at him. Yeah, he's very Indiana Jones, isn't he? Like, <laughs> oh, I Indiana, like Indiana Giroud. Um, France beat Sweden 4 2. A lovely Marcus Turam assist for Olivier Giroud. He looked just. Marcus so, Turam. Can you name a prettier footballer in an international kit at the moment? Than Olivier Giroud? No, than Marcus Turam in a France shirt. In that oh, France home yeah. shirt, Marcus looks very dashing. His parents must be so proud never mind his parents i love him i never met the guy i have nothing to do with his upbringing i've had no contact with him whatsoever but i am so proud of him because i imagine you know i, I imagine. love him i love him so much <laughs> you know i imagine, Marcus, I imagine. if you're listening to this <laughs> <Chitem. laughs> i imagine i imagine lilian Turam like trimming his hedge and like having a chat with his neighbors he's trimming it oh like oh How's, how's the boy doing? Oh, how's young Marcus doing? He's doing ever Looking so well. Looking over his glasses like yeah, uh, Stringer Bell. <laughs> yeah, he's doing ever so well. Yeah, exactly. Marcus Turam just radiates good sun energy. There's a thing in like, there's a thing in, in like the north of Uganda where my, where, my, where my family's from where when you get your first paycheck, you give a bit of the money to your grandparents. It's like a mm. kind of tradition thing. And I can imagine Marcus like giving the first bit of his paycheck to his grandparents. I can totally see him doing that. Like he radiates. all of it. Yeah, he just radiates good sun energy, doesn't he? Oh, he's just, he's just great. He's so just great. wholesome. He's, he's so wholesome. Great. He is. He's amazing. Um, France looking good, man. Little uh, midfield two of Rabiot and Pogba. Rabiot giving big comeback to Juve eyes at Pogba. Look at what we could have, Paul. I think at this point, I think Pogba to Juve is an excellent move at this point. Played with Pirlo, coached by Pirlo. Yeah. Could make a lot of sense that. Yeah, yeah. Who goes the other way though? Oh, it's going to be Ramsey, isn't it? Aaron Ramsey's going to end up at Man United and my heart is going to break once more thanks to a man I've never met. Oh, goodness. Here we go. <laughs> I thought 2020 was bad. <laughs> Wait till you see Aaron Ramsey at a Man United shirt in 2021. No. Well, that would be awful for all concerned. Anyway, carry on. One other result of note quickly before we move on in international football in the Commibol World Cup qualification. Ecuador 6, Colombia 1. And the one was a James Rodriguez penalty. Yikes. Lord. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Ecuador beating Colombia. We are in the time of COVID. So all this travel, all this extra stuff, I wonder what impact it has. Also, I don't want to like take props away from Ecuador because it's a huge result, obviously. And they do actually have a history of getting big results against. They've only lost what they only lost to Argentina so far in the qualifiers, Ecuador. Thanks to a Lionel Messi penalty. And that was in the first game. So they're not doing too bad. They've won the rest of their games. Yeah, yeah. Should we do a mailbag after this? Yeah, let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's get into the mailbag. This one from Chris Giunta. I hope I've pronounced that right, Chris. Who says, can you play centre-back for Liverpool? (laughs) (laughs) Depends. If you want to pass first centre-back, Moose is your guy. Oh my goodness. I'm amazed that nobody that listens to Stadio who knows me has actually come for me with that description of pass first. I'm amazed that no one's come for me. It's like baby pigeons. No one's seen you play football. That's true, actually. Did it even uh, happen? Oh my God. Actually, this is, this is a bit brutal to say. I once, I once uh, went out with someone 
and I mentioned, oh yeah, like I played football more regularly before. And she laughed and she refused. She found it impossible to believe. She found it impossible her. to believe. already. <laughs> she found it impossible to believe I'd ever played football. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's like being gaslit. <laughs> sometimes some of the shit you come out with, I was like, has this guy ever been on a football pitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 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 There's your bit. There's your bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god there's your bit there's your bit fun fact during all of that laughing i literally walked off and went and gave myself a coffee top up and came back and you were still laughing oh my goodness that's your bit right um truth fucking hurts huh i mean it does it really hurts it really hurts it really hurts can i, can I actually <laughs> i'm gonna get shit off my dad again He'll come for you. Pivoting to Liverpool, they seem to have fixed the bulk of those challenges, the bulk of those problems. I mean, Mo Salah going to be out for a bit, but... Everyone's injured. But Jota coming in. Yeah. Just the right time. Yeah. Um, right in, I did a little preview of the game, some games for the weekend on Wrighty's house. We talked about Liverpool. Centre-back's an issue though. Yeah, yeah. Poor Dejan. Alas, he's having a fun time though. He's enjoying vibes out there. He's enjoying vibes in Russia. Joni Mitchell's law, man. I'm going to just keep making laws. Yeah, so Liverpool challenges at centre-back, but they're still the pick. They're still my pick for the Premier League. They're still my pick. I, 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 don't, I don't have any idea who's going to win the league. I don't have any idea about anything anymore. I had one from Druba who had a question about love. Is it time for the love to move on from Germany? I mean, we said yes, but maybe the timing right now actually is probably the worst time to do this because there, there aren't many games left before the, the mm. Euros. So it's a bit of a, they've kind of got themselves into this mess. They yeah. might just have to ride it out. In terms of who would take over, Arsene? We've said it before. Jasmine Baba said it as well on Twitter. Shout out to Jasmine. Oh yeah, I replied to that thing saying, I replied to their tweet, it was like, her, Jonathan Harding, Ronan Murphy. <laughs> Basically said, Iris Heinkiss has disconnected the landline. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So have we paid our phone bill? Nope. Do you Why know not? I he's deliberately start- wanted to get cut off. <laughs> I think I think he's sneaking out. I think he's sneaking out to like snipers. <laughs> I think in a black roll neck, a black yeah. coat, and a black cap, he's just sneaking to a payphone. The was- DFB have said like, is he in- where is he living now? He's got a pager. He's gone full wire. He's gone full. <laughs> he's got a burner. <laughs> he's got a burner. Yup's burner. Oh my yeah. god, Yup's burner sounds like the most amazing like comic strip or comic. Yup's burner. I might speak to David Squires about that. See if he can do a Yup's but burner. Can we, do you think he'd do that? Do we think maybe David? We can do a studio collab with with David Squires about Yup's burner. Yes, I think we can. No, I think it should be like. Do you know when Captain Marvel? You know, like gives that pager to Sam Jackson. If you need mm. me, send me the page. Yup Heinkis basically has a pager and he's given it to. He's given the number to like a few different people. He's given it to like Madrid and Bayern and the DFB and been like, if you need me. Send me a page. He's gone full, uh, full Marvin and Tammy on them. <laughs> oh my God. Tammy. Oh no. Tammy Terrell. Sorry. Got me. I don't know who would, would replace him, to be honest, at the moment. I think um, there are a lot of really good German coaches coming through who I don't think are ready for the national gig yet. Flick won't take it. No. I mean, Klopp's contract's up in 2022, right, at Liverpool. And that's when Flick's, con- uh, that's when Love's contract's up. So there's a nice synergy there, but I just don't think that'll happen. I think Klopp's too into the day-to-day training. He's building something. He's still, he's still building something in Liverpool. Yeah. If anyone won league title, if anyone won, like, yeah. Klopp's not even got started yet yeah. at Liverpool. Uh, shouts to Oshu who said, will the Germany humiliation finally be a catalyst for change or will Love continue this bizarre post-2016 stubborn streak? We covered that before, but yeah. Sorry, I meant to mention those two questions in that piece. So, sorry, gang. Okay, I like this one. <laughs> Slime Masterson. Who is another player that you guys see adhering to Firmino's law? A player who is so underrated that they're rated. Yeah. Oh, actually, while we're on that, that's reminded me of an email I want to get to. A player so underrated that... Uh, it's strange, because I feel, I feel like we're in a period, actually, where there is actually quite strong appreciation 
I feel like everyone's rated now. Does that make sense? I feel like yeah. the kind of, I, you, know, you know, I think it is. And the reason why I feel that all the players now are rated is because I think we've gone through such a tactical cycle of the last sort of five, 10 years of goal scorers who don't score, but do other things for the team, but get their due. And I mean, Giroud's so a good, Giroud's a good. Well, I was going to, he, he was literally well, the guy, yeah. in my, he was literally the guy in my head. Like, but mm. even in terms of Giroud's goal scoring record for France now, now that Giroud has also added those goals to his game in the last few internationals for France, it's like Bamford, like all the kind of players that did the unsung work are coming true. And Firmino had his point in the spotlight. So now actually, I don't know that there are unrated players like that. I think what you're going to get now, I think what you do get is undercovered players. So players like Yuri Tielemans. Yuri Tielemans is not getting the full attention that his brilliance deserves because Leicester aren't getting their props as a whole yet. I think that players like Douglas Lewis and John McGinn of Villa, people aren't fully, I think there's like an 18 good month champ. cycle. I John think McGinn's McGinn, a good champ. McGinn is like someone who is 18 months from people being like, oh my God. Mm. Maybe this is too mainstream now, but last season it was definitely Marcel Sabitzer. He was the biggest example, I think, of Firmino's law in the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or maybe Florian Neuhaus is a shout, actually. He's a beautiful player as well. I think Neuhaus might be a shout. Yeah, and that's a good shout. Oh, I love that. Our Bundesliga boys. Before we move on to another question, I want to read this email out from Douglas Abbott. And this was in response to the disrespected 11. Uh, 11. He said, hey guys, I'm not sure how Henderson didn't get mentioned in the disrespected 11 for Liverpool, but he has to be the first name on the team sheet. It's really only in the last two years that most Liverpool supporters have gotten on board and it's somehow still not everyone. There's few things more disrespectful than being offered in a straight swap for 29-year-old Clint Dempsey. I love Dempsey, by the way. One year after you signed for $20 million. He was absolutely instrumental to the Rodgers team that almost won the title. And despite that, the majority of Liverpool fans didn't rate him for another five years. It's probably the combo of replacing Gerrard and him being a glue guy. But people have been trying to replace him in the Liverpool midfield for as long as he's been at Liverpool. I also think he's disrespected by other clubs' fans. How many players in world football would be able to knit together a midfield with Milner, Wijnaldum while playing the six, a midfield of Fabinho, Cater while playing between the eight, and a midfield of Fabinho, Thiago whilst basically playing the ten? His player of the year award is largely viewed as an as a team achievement, but this guy is the first name on the team sheet in midfield every game, despite sharing a midfield with Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Cater, and freaking Thiago. All the best, Doug. Uh, and he's a PS Dirk Count is. Definitely disrespected by a lot of Liverpool fans. That's fascinating. I mean, I, I can't comment for everyone, but we've for quite a while pushed the Henderson glue guy. Yeah, absolutely. Underrated yeah. thing. We have, we have. Therefore, I'd, I've never really classed him as massively disrespected. I think that the shadow of Stevie G when you're a young midfielder coming into a club like that is very, very, very dominating. Brutal. It was like Carrick coming in for Keane, only worse. Yeah. It was yeah, worse, yeah. actually. It was even worse. I mean, I can, I can understand the disrespected thing. I think, he was, I think that there was a level of disrespect when he won the Player of the Year award, for sure. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd flag that because clearly Doug is a Liverpool fan. And the Cout thing, I mean, the Dirk Cout thing, I think that's really interesting in terms of the disrespect. I feel like, mm. I feel like I he's... I can't believe that. I can, though, as well. Do you know why? Because you look at Liverpool's tradition... Liverpool's forward players have rarely been as functional as Cout was. They've looked different. They've been like, you know, Beardsley and Barnes, whereas Benitez is like, I'm building an attacking unit that's efficient and Cout's an integral part of that. Cout enables other more elegant players to flourish. But I think that there was something always quite underwhelming about him from a technical point of view and an aesthetic point of view. Mm. But he got the job done. Technically actually better than advertised, but still. Just like our podcast. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to finish this recording and burst into tears, Ryan. The tears of a clown. Hey. Yeah. But Henderson hey, came through. Hey, hey. You're doing good. Look at us. Hey, look at look us. Look at us, eh? Who would have thought? Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, actually, about, um, well, great email, thank you, about, yeah. about uh, Thanks, Henderson and Cal. Thanks, Cal. Uh, Let's move on to this one from Ayana. You guys talked about Pirlo being known for playing for Juventus, but playing his best football at AC Milan. I wouldn't say best, but he forgot, right? I think, anyway. Um, yeah. Are there any other players slash managers who are in a similar situation where they are known for their stint on one team, A, but were better on team B? 
Modric at Spurs. You think Modric was better at Spurs than he was for Real Madrid? I think he was outstanding at Spurs. I think he was unbelievable at Spurs because look how quickly he slotted into Madrid. But listen, where they are known for their stint on Team A, but yeah. were better at Team B. I would make a case. Modric did things at Spurs in far inferior teams that were extraordinary to the point where I was like, I think he signed a six-year contract, I think. Um, and I'm thinking, how is he there that long? I think Modric's mm. last couple of years, he was like mind-blowing. Like he was Modric at Spurs, the things he did there were just unreal. I don't think he got full props for them. Modric at Spurs, interesting. What about Gianfranco Zola at Parma? It's a good shout. It was unreal at Parma. Alexis Sanchez at Udinese? Yeah, Udinese was... It's like a band that does the early material, isn't it? You're like, it was said before, isn't it? A band that's got incredible early material. Like, I remember when, when, when Modric finally signed for Madrid, I had the closest thing. You know, you talk about like people you never know breaking your heart. Many never breaking your heart. When Modric finally got to Spurs, but got to Madrid, I was so relieved. You could argue Bale at Spurs actually as well. Although maybe Bale's still more known. Maybe Bale is still more known for his Spurs work than for his Madrid work. But Bale's, mm. Bale at Spurs was unplayable his final year. Mm. Bale's transfer broke, <laughs> broke the Spurs transfer. Bale was so good and that amount of money coming into the Premier League that quickly was such an injection of cash it almost had like a localized Neymar, a localized Neymar effect on Spurs. It didn't have the same ripple effect beyond Spurs, but on Spurs, it had the Neymar effect. What about Ronaldo at Barca? Oh my goodness, Ronaldo at Barca. I mean, Ronaldo at Barca is the single most devastating season I've seen from any footballer. And the things, well, actually then again, Ronaldo at Inter. Do you know what? This is the weird one. I, I don't even know. I think Ronaldo at Inter was the it's one. Good everywhere. I don't think Ronaldo at Barca was the one, actually. I think Ronaldo at Inter, do you know who it was? Because Ronaldo did that. He did it in Barca and everyone was like, wow, wow, Ronaldo at Barca. I've got the VHS still. Shout out to, I think, at Logo. Shout out to the VHS. What Ronaldo did at Inter, it's hard to describe. Before that knee injury, mm. there's that famous clip when he's wearing, because he did it in the cold weather. This was the whole thing about yeah. Brazilians. They can't do it. The famous clip where he's, he's wearing the gloves and he runs down the touchline and he does the spin move in Serie A mm -hmm. and then he cuts inside and it is thrilling. And even as I talk about it now, I'm like, I'm like on it. I'm, I've got chills even thinking about it. You know what it's like? It's like when we mentioned the MF Doom thing. It's like MF Doom entering a track. It's like MF Doom coming in on a beat. It's like that. When Ronaldo dropped. There's only one beer left. Yeah, there's only one beer left in. Ronaldo into against Spartak Moscow when he scores on a mix of sand and ice and mud and tap dances through Big. the defence. That, that, is, that is the peak. There's never been anyone better that I've seen do that. Never, ever, ever. I just can't. Let's throw in a shout for Steph Horton at Arsenal. In relation to women's game, I never saw Alex Pop at Duisburg, but I'm super intrigued by the fact that she played a left back and won a Champions League. Yeah, and it doesn't really, get, doesn't really get talked about. Yeah. Um, I actually got the chance to ask her in an interview that an unnamed outlet did not publish. Um, <laughs> but it was really, I wanted to discuss those days because I think it's, it's so impressive to play multiple positions. I mean, maybe Frank Reichardt, because I was looking at Frank Reichardt recently. Because well, yeah, he was off at like, my guy was off at Zaragoza. Like he did a bit of a hipster trail, didn't he? He pulled a bit of a Sadov to Genoa going to Zaragoza. And then he went to Lisbon. He went to Sporting Lisbon. And there was a kind of like, not a minor riot, but there was a real drama over him going from Lisbon to Milan. I love questions like this. Do you know what's funny? Because there are going to be people listening, hopefully, who'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy was with us before he joined them, or she was with us before they joined them. They were amazing here, actually. You should have seen yeah, that The top season. of Duisburg shout is a massive, massive shout, actually. Because people don't really talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't really talk about it. She was happy to. Like, she was, I think she loved playing left back there. She'd play anywhere, innit? Yeah, true, true. Um, I'm trying to think of any more. Ronaldinho at PSG. He lit that place up. He lit that place. Oh my goodness, that is strong. Quite a fun shout. Oh my God, I've got it. I've got it. Go on, got you're, it. About, you're about to win. Yes. Neymar at Santos. Yes. What was that Neymar amazing clip at from Santos. that goal where he starts on the halfway line? And against Flamengo. Like against Flamengo. Yeah. <laughs> Neymar at Santos 
when I went and I, did I mention the time I went to Brazil oh, for the World Cup? Are you really? <laughs> and talking to the club sort of um, psychotherapist, they were in awe. Mm. The way they talked about him was in awe. And like I said this, you walk into the Santos foyer and there are two gold statues. One is of Pele and one is of Neymar. And Neymar would have walked into training and seen that gold statue of Pele every single day and never shirked it. And won the mm. first Libertadores in almost 40 years. And it's a small club. It's like 20,000. Mm. It's not a big club. And to go into that, Neymar at Santos, it's chills. I actually have, you know what it is? They should, when Neymar does his kind of reboot, which he'll need because he's been through a lot, whatever, and all these other challenges, a Netflix special of Neymar at Santos, origin story. Oh my God. Inject it, Ryan. Inject <laughs> it. It's so, because th- what he did there with Ganso as well, like that, that because to take, to put an entire town, city, club on your back and to return glory to Santos is one of the great footballing achievements of mm. the last, like, of, of, our, of our era. It's unreal what he did there. Let's move on. Uh, this one's from Tamana. In your ideal world, what would an environmentally friendly football landscape look like? We had a question from Greg Johnson about this a while ago, do you remember? And we came up with, it was about football and climate change. High-speed rail. High-speed rail. Oh my God. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Do you want to elaborate on that? Or did you just see a vision of high-speed rail? I literally rail? did. I literally imagined in my head like a proper, a proper hyperloop. But we came up with the idea of localised or regionalised uh, qualifying groups and groups for the Champions League. Yeah. And European competition. So any European competition you would have uh, localized or basically very regionalized groups to reduce the amount of travel needed so everyone could travel by rail. So for example, you know, home nations, yeah, uh, qualifying group, because also it would raise, it would, you'd make a, you'd have a lot of derbies. You'd basically get a few curveballs. Yeah. You know, you'd have, and we made the groups, right? I think. Remember? Yeah. 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 Like a Northern Europe one of like, uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Netherlands, I think we chucked, chucked in there. Groups are amazing. The groups are amazing. And you obviously have um, a Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, England. Um, oh, Iceland was in the Scandinavian one. And then you have uh, Portugal, Spain, uh, France, Switzerland, oh, Italy. But- to clarify, the, the reason I mentioned high-speed rail was actually it was directly linked to football. I was basically like saying you would use football as an excuse or a reason or a pretext to redevelop. That'd be great, actually. And, yeah, you would use football as a way. So you'd actually, you'd normalise high-speed rail transport for the final stages and you'd make a real event of it. So, you know, when you travel, um, I once caught a train through Italy and, you know, anyone that's caught a train along the kind of Italian coast, you go past you go past mountains and like go through all the rate you get the range of weather. You really just normalize high speed rail as a joyful form of excursion in itself. Mm. It doesn't get glamorized actually. Like my favorite form of travel is actually high speed train by, by yes. Oh, same. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big, big fan of uh, rail travel, but actually on that note, it's a really interesting thing because um, a few days ago, I don't know if you saw it, but Arsenal became the first Premier League club to sign the United Nations Climate Change Initiative. Oh, wow. The UN Sports for Climate Change Action Framework it is basically trying to align the global sports community with, with the goals of the Paris Agreement and to achieve climate neutrality by 2050. So Arsenal were the first Premier League club to sign up for that recent, uh, a few days ago. And I'm all for it. And I hope more Premier League clubs and top clubs. Uh, Juventus also signed it. Sorry. So this is a good thing. And I think, yeah, football is, yeah, it has to, it has to, it has to do its bit as well. Everyone has to. Football can do a lot of good if it, if it chooses to. Yeah. Uh, let's finish on this one from uh, Barry Garotti. Uh, Garotti? Barry Garotti. I hope I've pronounced that right, Barry. I probably haven't, sorry. My pronunciation at the moment is dreadful. At the moment, like it's a thing that you're either in form or out of form. I mean, your, I mean, your, your Catalan was pretty good, wasn't it? No one's come for you. Carlos Ryle. <laughs> you need to be stopped, Ryan. Barry says, with Ryan Reynolds buying Wrexham, which famous person do you think would honestly make the best club owner? Which celeb would you like to buy your favourite clubs? George Clooney. <laughs> Fucking hell. 
<laughs> George. Why did that? Why did why? <sighs> I think I knew exactly that you were going to say that because he has he radiates such club owner energy. He does. You know that if George Clooney owned a football club, it would be like invest an endowment in renewables. And it would like, it would sign up to all the charters and stuff. And you'd be like, oh, actually, but Mr. Clooney, like your club isn't this and that. And he'd be like, actually, there's a dossier and why we are complying with all these things. You just know it. I actually would want him somewhere like Leicester, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I'd want him somewhere. You know what I'd love? I would want him somewhere, a kind of a club where, exactly. I'd want him a club where people were like, oh, no, it doesn't seem like, oh, fancy enough for him. And then he goes there or like Ipswich and he's like, he just, he just loves it. He just like someone, you know, where he just goes there and the area is amazing and he clicks with it and he loves it. I'd, I'd like to, uh, you know, actually all along, it turns out that George Clooney has had a, a, a massive holiday home in the Schwarzwald and he buys Freiburg <laughs> and, just, oh my God. Yeah. and just leaves him to it. He's just like, I don't want any special trip. He sits in the, sits in the normal seats, turns it completely carbon neutral. Well, the thing is, because thinking about Clooney, Clooney is like, he's got much more Gladbach energy than Munich energy. He doesn't have Man United ownership. No, no, no. This is my point. And this, the reason why I'd love to see Clooney go to Leicester is purely because of the Twitter meltdown that would come <laughs> from when George Clooney and Gary Lineker were hanging out <laughs> in the director's box. I would like to see, who would I like to see by my football club? I mean, the thing is, Arsenal's too expensive. Oh my God, you were thinking about your owners. I was just thinking about like owners in general. Do you know what? I'd love to see someone like Rihanna by Brentford. <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? Right. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like Rihanna buying Brentford. There you go. That's my. Oh my God. Cardi B. Cardi B buying Brentford. The Cardi B's. You know, yes. So- yes. Yeah. Can and see she does her doing- nails and she does her nails like red and white. Like one red, one white, one red, one. But the thumbs have got black nail varnish on. So she's got the, basically the Brentford kit on her hands. Cardi B owning Brentford. That is my shout. That's my shout and I'm done. Do you know where that's so perfect as well? Do you know that's so perfect? I swear this would happen with Cardi B. 18 months into the ownership, she's doing an interview about some new record or some whatever and some bleephead journalist, a dude of course, cross-examines her about Brentford and she knows it backwards and she's like, oh my goodness, need to check out this young player, Jason No, she, Do you know what? She's like drops in basically how they're like expected assists per game has gone up under her ownership. Yeah. And they're conceding less goals. Their expected goals conceded is down. Basically, she's just an absolute stat nerd. Of course but she could. Re- like, she's like, major, yeah. yeah. I'd love that. And that do you know what? Just the thing about her videos as well, whenever Brentford win. Oh my God, incredible. Cardi B for Brentford. Cardi B for Brentford. I love it. That's amazing, Ryan. That's great. Love it. Thanks, mate. Do you want to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, then. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer for all of your soccer needs at The Ringer. Indeed. Um, Righty's house on Wednesdays. We'll be back on Monday. Um, Any other admin before we go? No, I think we're good. No. Hope everyone's staying safe and well. Look after yourself and each other as Musa takes a big old swig of... Whiskey. Ha, you didn't see that coming, everyone. <laughs> H2O. Stay hydrated. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> You're out troll. What's wrong with me at the moment, man? <laughs> uh, we're playing out on this episode, Lost in the Crowd by Billy Bird. Um, we hope everyone has a great weekend. Yeah. And we will be back on Monday. <laughs> we're always back. <laughs>